thanks for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. This is David Perkins, and we're so glad that you're listening. Hey, if you're a part of our family meeting online or in person, we want to encourage you to get connected at Radiant Church KC across all social media platforms. God is doing something incredible in Kansas City, and we love connecting with you, whether it's through our app or even through all the content available on our YouTube page. Hey, our prayer is that God uses this message to change your life and that you could become a dynamic disciple of Jesus. Thanks for listening. Enjoy this message. Good morning to you. Wonderful, wonderful to be with you. I now understand why our pastor can't get up here without celebrating all the people who've been working so hard before he got up here. But I'm not going to even try except Dream Team, you're amazing. Okay. Katie, everybody. Thank you. It's, it's just wonderful to be here. Let me, let me ask you a question. How many of you, when you look back on the last two years, you see something that you're really thankful for? In everything? Give? Okay. Um, I was thinking about one of the great benefits of the last two years is Debbie and I get to be here most of the time. And it's stunning. Almost every Sunday when we leave or Wednesday or Monday, whenever after we've been with Radiant, uh, we cannot help but talk about what we have experienced, what we've seen. And it's Radiant. <laughs> That's what we saw. So we experienced. It, it, it looks like the love of God radiating. It's big. It's the, the joy of the Lord radiating. Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Radiating. It's called the fruit of the Spirit. And it's a lot more than that, too. It's the gifts of the Spirit. There's, we see and experience. Everybody likes gifts. We see and experience mercy. We see and experience the prophetic word, not just from up here, but all over. Prophetic acts. Spirit initiated. Thus, are gifts of the Spirit. And, and it's just stunning. I could go on through it. But my point is simply this. As I thought about us celebrating what God has initiated and you have responded to that is just, it's just manifesting radiance, I felt convicted in attempting to prepare for this to talk with you about my prayer, my dream, my hope that at all costs, we will clearly understand that all the fruit of the Spirit, all the gifts of the Spirit emanate from the Spirit. They're spiritual fruit, spiritual gifts. They're initiated by God. And the fruit of the Spirit, think cherries, think apples, whatever you like, on the tree, that's the byproduct of the root. And so my passion this morning, my, my purpose, is that somehow maybe God will help us all to Again, I'm not going to say anything new, but again, to help us determine that at any cost, we're going to major not on the fruit, but on the root, because that's what enables the fruit. See, and so we're going to major and, and not just not just as an idea or even something to practice personally. But this way of following Jesus is literally so narrow. It's a narrow way. 
he told us, right? And it's actually uphill. It's going against the flow. It's so narrow, so steep, that if we don't have each other, if we don't have a radiant church, it's going to be awfully hard to sustain even what we have now. And, and everybody likes fruit, cherries, apples. Everybody likes love, joy, peace, patience. And they'll come here because the fruit of the Spirit is just, it's, it's, it's harvest time. It's low-hanging fruit. It's obvious. It's evident. And they'll come. And they'll love it. But when they come, they'll bring what's in their life. As much fruit of the Spirit or as little. Because we either walk by the Spirit or by the flesh. And a lot of people who are desperately needing Jesus, brand new maybe even to Jesus, but very immature, they'll come and bring all their stuff. And if we don't, we as a church, if we don't have the, the root being cared for, then it'll be easy to rely on past laurels and forget where it came from, and then the fruit will start to wither. And even the reason people come will be gone. See, it's, we are the body of Christ. We're the bride of Christ. So I want to work on that this morning. And uh, the, what I'm really going to do, I'm going to kind of equate. I've talked about root and fruit. But I want to say a good way of thinking about what I'm talking about here is the two becoming one. The two becoming one. Okay? That's what I'm working on. So, old school, old guy, let's stand together, shall we? I just believe that the Word of God deserves to be honored. So, your pastor sometimes says that. Old school. So, here we go. Let me read. Husbands, love your wives. Just as Christ loved the church... And gave himself up for her ooh, to make her holy. Now that's fruit. Holiness is fruit. It's the byproduct of what's going on at the root. You don't put on holiness. You work on the root. Okay. Cleansing her. Purifying her. Getting rid of the weeds. Cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. There's some root. To present her to himself. <laughs> Does that say radiant? Huh. Look at that. It just snuck up there. To present her to himself as a ray. Jesus is working hard to have a, say it, radiant. radiant church. And guess what he thinks about us? He's clapping. He's thrilled. But he's saying, don't forget from whence you came. Keep working. On the two becoming one, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Sorry, we're having technical difficulties. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own body. He who loves his wife loves himself. This will all preach. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body. It's called root. Just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his, whose? His body, 
For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. The two will become one flesh. That's what we work on this morning. Because Jesus said, this is a mystery. So that means maybe it's mysterious. I'm talking about Christ and the church, the two becoming one. I need a lot of help this morning. Would you be willing to pray that, I, that I'll not say things that I don't need to be said that are of the flesh, but will say what's given to me by the Spirit? And I want to kneel. <laughs> Would you pray? Amen. Thank you, Lord. We believe you. Apart from you, we can do nothing. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So, I left home when I was 15, and I didn't have parents, family. I was by myself. I was single. I got a I lived in another house. I had my room. And eight years later, I had an apartment. But all that time, I had my own room until I had my own apartment. And, and I took care of my apartment and my room just exactly as I wanted to. It was my apartment. It was my room. I had my car. I took care of it the way I wanted to. I had checkbook. I took care of that. I, I was single. And I could push that a ways. But I think you all get it. Then one day, just before I graduated from college, I met Debbie. Now, if, you, if you've met Debbie, you know that before you can look at her, she's looking at you, and her eyes are sparkling. She looks right through, but her eyes sparkle. And they just say, you're important. And she did it to me. And, 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 and she smiled. It was beautiful. I mean, I knew she was beautiful, but you should see what I saw. And, and if you've been with her for 36 seconds, she'll find 35 good things about you. And she'll tell you, boy, does that feel good? And it didn't take me very long to figure out, she better run fast because I'm after her. <laughs> and I did chase, and she tripped and fell, and I caught her. I don't know what she was thinking, but she said, I do. She even said, I will. And she did and has. Single life, see? So, so I got married. We got married. And, and I'd heard that marriage was really difficult. Uh, I, I just heard it. I don't know all the places I heard it, but I heard it. And so I read a few books and thought I was fine. <laughs> and... And so we got married, and things were really going great. And I was thinking, this isn't so tough. We can, we can do this. We're going to make it. We're, and I was thinking, we got this thing all figured out. And then the third day came. <laughs> and we agreed that we needed to buy something at a department store. J.C. Penney, Jacques Penois. 
whatever it is. So anyhow, we decided that we were going to get something. So we went to the store and to the shopping center. And, and we were going to what we had decided we were going to buy. And she left me. She turned right. I could see the sign. And she turned See, what I didn't tell you is I brought a whole bunch of stuff into my marriage. Bunch of stuff. Including my bedspread. I'd had it all my life. I liked it. It was old. Had holes in it. Probably stunk. Worn out. But it covered the bed. That's what bedspreads do, right? It covered the bed. She turned right. I wondered, what is she doing? She, she went to the bedspread department. And I very quickly found out that just because you're married, it doesn't necessarily mean that the two are one. Because she thought we needed a new bedspread. Not me. We didn't agree. And a house divided? Ooh. We didn't agree. And furthermore, she wanted a new one. Not me. We were different at that point, in that particular situation. So right there in front of God and every, everybody in JCP, we had some um, holy fellowship. <laughs> and, and I'm not sure how it worked out, but, but I know she was here and I was here. And we're trying to figure this thing out. It felt like work. And so she would move and that was hard. And I would move. That was hard. And and finally, the two became one. Hmm. Just because we're married didn't mean we were one. Potentially, but not actually. What matters is the actual, not the potential. So, so we solved that problem. I don't remember if we got, well, who won that? I mean, I don't remember how that worked out. But anyhow, so, but things went pretty well for a while until Christmas. And see, I grew up in a little tiny family and we had, I had a sister and my parents and Christmas was very nice and small, little tree and about 10 presents. Debbie grew up in a big family. I mean, she had her brother and her parents, but they had brothers and sisters who so had a bunch of uncles and aunts, and they all had a ton of kids, so they had cousins all over the place, grandparents, and they all grew up together, in, and when they all got together, it was a ton of people, and you should have seen their tree. It was huge, and presents all the way up, and so Debbie had this idea. She thought that we should buy presents for all of her family, and we were broke. Now, I didn't think so. We weren't one. And furthermore, she thought it was right. She thought it was, she wanted to. Not me. Mm -mm. So we had some more. This time I wouldn't call it holy. I'd call it intense fellowship. <laughs> you get the idea? And finally, I don't know how it, we came out, but we came together and the two were one. Happily. 
would you say that becoming one is relationship work? Tell you what, I think, I think we need to practice. How about helping me? Put up. Here we go. We're all going to practice. Okay, now, now make the sound so I don't want you ever to forget. Here we go. <laughs> Next time you and your spouse are going through it, just put up and just, I'm giving you a tool how to, how to solve your marriage problem. Just, <laughs> there you go. Great marriage counseling. Now you're all set for the next 40 years. <laughs> Do we agree becoming one is work? Yes. Well, I uh, was born and I was single in another way. I wasn't spiritually married yet. I was without God. But it didn't take me long to realize that I wouldn't want someone with my intelligence and my goodness and my strength leading, running, ruling, governing, empowering my life when there is this God who became man, emptied himself of everything, became one with us, like us in every way, denied himself all the way to his cross, all as a means to courting me, even made a covenant in his blood, a marriage-type covenant that's to last forever and ever, and he died for me, and then he came through his church, through his word, through, through, by the Spirit. He came to me, and he invited me. He chased me, and I came to my senses. See, he did all that he did on his side, unbelievable. It makes me weep when I think about what Jesus did. What it cost him to invite me into his family, to be his bride. And, and all that he asked of me was, he asked of me something. I don't get it for nothing. He asked me something. He asked me to believe him. He asked me to put my faith in him. Not just what he did on a cross, that's three hours of his life, and without that, we're hopelessly lost. But who he is, well, everything he did back then, everything he said, everything he's saying, everything he's doing, put my faith in a real-life person. And he said he'd come, he'd come and move in. He, he brought his bags and he moved right in. When I came to my senses and said, Jesus, I changed my mind. I repent of my old independence, doing my own thing. I would rather trust you with my life. And so I made a covenant with Jesus. I talked about altar, but I, I, I virtually almost went to an altar and I heard the pastor saying, here's Jesus and here's me saying, do you, Jesus, take Hal for better, for worse? Do you, Hal, take you? And I, on and on. For better, for worse, sickness and health. Richard, I do. Hal, what does Jesus ask of you? Just believe him. Just trust him. Just keep my faith in him. Will you? I will. I made a covenant. And guess what? He did what he said. He moved in. He moved in. And so things went along pretty well for about 10 minutes. And he began to knock. He said he would do that with his bride. Now, knock, I experience in all kinds of different ways. Sometimes it's a bit of an emotion. I feel some things. Sometimes I'm aware of truth. It's a thought. Sometimes I actually see what's going on. I want some, but somehow he communicates and he called it knocking. 
See? Because, see, hardly ever, if ever, will he knock a door down. Before he enters our life or after, he knocks, he invites, but he doesn't force. He's God, but he didn't make us to be holy robots. He made us for marriage. And you can't force love, else it wouldn't be love. Is that fair? So he knocks. Everybody wants him to knock the door down. He probably won't. Everybody talks. I had people at first service say something like, they said, well, well, when did you get there? And, and, and how did you get to this place? And I said, well, I'm not there. I'm not even close. See, it's not that he gives us a permanent fix that he comes in and bam, we got everything we need because then we wouldn't have to pay attention to him. We would just go on and be a holy robots. But he knocks. So he came in and wasn't long till he knocked. And, and it was interesting. I found out that he always thinks he's right. And he always thinks I'm the one that should change. I don't think that's fair. Do you? I mean, who does he think he is? God? Oh. And then it dawned on me, I can't even, not just ask him the question out loud, I, I, I can't even think it, because he knows everything I'm thinking. That's not fair. I was a brat bride. I, I, it was all selfish on my side. I wanted to use him for my purposes because I wanted to go to heaven or didn't want to go to hell. I wanted me to have health and wealth. Now, whatever. But it was all about me. And he came in anyhow. Can you believe it? He came in anyhow because he loves me and wants to save me, perhaps most of all from myself, which is killing me. And well, ultimately, if I don't change my mind and repent and get on a new path. So becoming one is relationship work. Jesus talked to me, knocked, and I learned that I needed to learn to sit at the table and relate to him. And I realized that the two could not be one unless I adjusted to be like him. And that seemed like a lot of work. Guess what? It is. Contrary to much theology, there is something on our side. And I'll tell you about it in a moment, but I'll just spill it now. It's called believing God. It's called faith in God as work. So the two to become one flesh, Paul says, I'm talking about Christ in the church. So, so... Do you realize that Jesus in you comes and he communicates? Revelation calls it knocks. He communicates and then he invites us to respond. Now, there's so much noise going on in our heart. We've never learned. We don't realize how much we're thinking about these things. Or we're wanting those things. There's a noise. And he comes in and he talks. He said, my sheep hear my voice. But most of the time, people come to me and say, I don't ever hear God. I say, oh, yes, you do. You just don't recognize him. So it's relationships are work. Not, not in order to get right. Jesus provided your justification. But 
the covenant was established so that you would know from the beginning that he would come and he would talk and faith comes by hearing, but he doesn't make faith inevitable. He makes it possible and you have to choose to learn to believe. So, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. That's a pretty big statement. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. How new? Well, let's look at it. Old things passed away. They're dead. Is that what it means, pass away? They're gone. Behold, all things are become new. And I thought, that's not right. I still got my old car. It's not new. I still got my stinky blanket. I mean, bedspread. It's not new. I got a ton of things that aren't new. What does that mean? All things are became new. And one day I believe the Holy Spirit enlightened my unenlightened mind. And I believe what he said is this, how you need to understand that once upon a time you were single. You did what you thought. You did what you felt. You did what you wanted. But then that single person died. See, I've been crucified with Christ. I've been buried with Christ. All the everything. It, well, well, that sounds like nice religious gobbledygook to me. But, but try it. You died and then you were resurrected to newness of life. When you went down, you were single. When you came up, you were baptized into Christ. You were born again. You were born from above. You were born of the Spirit. God the Spirit came to dwell in you. Not in the physical act of baptism. Don't mean to get off into a theological argument there. Everybody's got opinions. But, but something happened before you got baptized in water. God the, God the Holy Spirit came to dwell in you when you authentically repented. If you didn't repent, you don't, shouldn't be being baptized in water. So the Holy Spirit came to dwell in you. And that's what's new. What's new is now Christ is in me. I'm not alone. So let's talk about it. Well, here, I'll go ahead. And I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. Do you believe that? You're not God. But God dwells in you. If God dwells in you, do you think maybe, just maybe, just maybe it might be good to pay attention? If Debbie is dwelling with me, I need to learn in marriage. It's not me anymore. It's we. And I need to somehow pay attention because I agreed. I made covenant with her. My covenant with God was to put my faith in him. So that means I need to realize he's keeping his promise. He's in me. I believe that. Okay. And now I need to relate to him. But relationships result in the awareness that we're not the same. We're different. Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's so much more than believing Jesus died on the cross for me. That's huge. No chance if you don't believe that. But he's present. He's not dead. He got resurrected from the dead and went to heaven to send his spirit so something better than Jesus being next to me could happen. He sent his spirit to come dwell in me. And he said to Peter and the other guys, he says, better for you that I go away. Because if I go away, I'll send my spirit and he'll be in you. Better that I be in you by my spirit than next to you in a body. 
Do you treat the Jesus in you called the Holy Spirit as well as you would treat the Jesus next to you if he came in his first body? If he came in his first body, we'd pay attention to him because we could see him, we could hear him. That'd be easier. Now we have to walk by faith. Oh! Maybe God knows what he's doing. So, the life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me. So let's talk about it. In the old life, I'm alone. Single. In the new life, never alone. Never alone. We could sing songs about that. We'd love to talk about that. It's a big deal. I'm never alone. And when Jesus in us, the Holy Spirit in us, knocks when he communicates and we experience that and we see the difference and we change our mind. It's called repentance. When you became a Christian, you not only repented in general, but you made a holy resolve. If you were taught well, you made a holy resolve that whenever God showed you something that was different than the way you were living, that he wanted you to do, you'd already made up your mind. I have repented. I've already changed my mind. Your will be done. You're God and I'm not. See and so he, he knocks, and when we get it and we see it, and we repent or we confess, that is, we agree with God. That's what confession is. It's to agree with God. It's for the two to become one. When we agree with God, when we think, when we think the way he thinks, that's confession. So if we confess our sin, think about it the way God thinks about it, then what happens? He's faithful and just to forgive us, and what? To cleanse us. And then we go on. Power us. So there it is. Never alone. And when, when we actually hear and respond to the Holy Spirit who is in us all the time. Well, when you're meeting with the church, we can only meet a couple, three times a week. So we have the body. When we're meeting in the closet, we have the body and the word. But most of the time, we're all by ourselves. Oh, no, we're never alone. I'm never alone. I've always got God with me. And it's better than if he were next to me, Jesus said. Are you awake? So I'm never, and when I respond, it brings such delight to God, not because I gave in to His will, but He loves me and knows that when I know and do His will, it will save me. And because He loves me so much, He wants to save me from myself. Is that clear? So, never alone. However, when he communicates, when he knocks, and my life is so running so fast, don't, don't, don't struggle. We're all trapped in this old life. We, we gave it up at baptism, but what we committed to was to believe, and that doesn't mean we're perfectly changed. So in the old life, we build lots of habits. We learn to think for ourselves. We learn to depend on our own understanding, all that. We learn to do what we think. In this new life, when he shows us, but we, for whatever reason, don't recognize his voice or recognize it, but don't realize it's him. And we make excuses. We justify. We say it doesn't make sense because we don't realize it's him. We got the idea, but we don't realize where we got it. Where does every good and perfect idea come from? Where does every good and perfect gift come from? The Father of heaven lights. So we recognize the idea, but we don't realize where it came from. So when you get good ideas, you might check to see maybe God's talking to you. 
They may not sound good because they might be hard. They might be. Got it? So when I don't respond to the God who moved in, it breaks his heart. It grieves him. Not because he didn't get his way. He's not selfish. He doesn't want his way except for the fact that his way is not just it's the best way and it's what he has to give us to save our lives and he wants it for us because he loves us and it grieves him deeply and simultaneously it quenches the spirit because he's speaking but we're not getting it and so we 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 mitigate against the very way that God saves us so it's wonderful that he's always with us. We're never alone. But actually, if God is in your house all the time, that puts a little bit of responsibility for the two to become one instead of doing your own thing all the time. Because you made a covenant to trust him, right? And we're saved by faith, right? Well, not just faith in a moment, but faith for a lifetime as he keeps showing us and showing us and we keep growing. And, and if we'll do that and walk by faith according to his showing, guess what will happen? Good fruit will grow. Gifts will come because we're believing. And if you believe, if you trust Jesus, you'll do what he says. If, if he tells you to do something and you say, well, is there another option? I'd prefer not to. I'll get another opinion. Do you really trust him? What is faith in God? If he says, go jump in the lake. If you trust God, what will you do? Well, you may not even know where the lake is, but you'll get a map. Got it? Because we, we trust him, right? Isn't that what we signed up for, to have faith in God? I'm not trying to beat us to death with that. We all have our ideas about God and about salvation. It's very important we be as clear as possible. I know that I see through a glass darkly, so I forever want to be learning and growing. So I'm never alone. He's always with me. Number two, in the old life, I made unilateral decisions. It was me. In the new life, Bilateral agreement. See, now it's not me, but there are two of us living in here, and one has an opinion, and it's always right. Another has a ton of opinions. They need a lot of help. And God didn't make us to be holy robots, just make us perfect so we'd just automate. He made us for marriage, which is relationship, and he wants us to commune in order that we can come out together, that the two might be one. And if the two disagree, there's division in the house. There's not unity. And everything comes out as tangled and confused because we're not together. The flesh is ruling instead of the spirit. Make sense? How important is the Holy Spirit in your life? He deserves to be honored. He's God. In the old life, we walk by sight. Picture's worth a thousand words. We see things, and because we see it, we believe it. Everybody talks about that. I see it, therefore it's true. I know it's true, so I believe it. There it is. In, the old life. in fact, in the old life, we lived by hearing, not just by sight, but by hearing. I'll never forget, some of you know this story, when a doctor is standing in front of me 
on the day before a major miracle in my life. I was dead and now I'm alive. So when, when a doctor stood in front of me, he said, there's never been a person that we know of in history with all the things that are wrong with you ever survived. You've basically got two choices. You can, you can either die quickly and easily. We can help you with that. They said that several times. Or we can give you something else and you will die. It'll just be very painful and slow and might be a long, horrific life. I don't recommend that. Faith comes by hearing. Is that not right? Faith comes by hearing. And we hear all the time. We hear, we hear, we hear. We see, we see. We can't help. We got receivers called the eyes and ears. We can't help but take it in. But then the trick comes when in this new life we're called to walk by faith. And when in this new life, God says things that aren't the way I see them or I hear them. I'm looking at my job. I'm looking at my kids. I'm looking, I'm looking at my circumstance. I'm looking at my checkbook. I'm looking at all that stuff. And man, I believe it because it's a fact. I can see it. I can hear it. And then God says, seek first the kingdom and I'll take care of all the rest of this stuff. Shall I believe God or rely on my own understanding? Everybody say what this is. Thank you, hon. I got one person who's got the message. Let's start over again. (laughs) See, look at her. Look at her eyes. Right there it is. See what I mean? I'd have died as a pastor if I had her. her. Anyhow, so let's try it again. What do we call this? uh What do you think? It's called the fight of faith, Paul calls it. It's a fight for faith. Jesus talked about it, and he said, the work of God is to believe. It's called work. It is written. Amen? Am I messing with your theology? I hope not. So to walk by faith is a whole new way of life. Everything changes. I don't rely on that out there. I don't rely on them. I don't rely on me. I have one focus. Jesus, if you say it, I'm going to fight till I believe it. And it's hard, but I'm going to come back over and I'm going to see it in my mind. I'm going to profess it. I'm going to proclaim it. Jesus, I'm going to believe it. I'm going to say it until I believe it. Whatever it takes. I'm going to stare at your word. Whatever it takes. I'm called. I made a covenant. I made a promise to believe you. In the old life, I'm independent. The new life, I'm dependent. I put this in here because I wanted to take about 45 seconds to tell you what I really wanted to preach about this morning and felt led to do something different. Jesus has captured my heart because he who was God, he who was rich, emptied himself of all that, became like us in every way, was tempted in all ways like we are, yet without sin. See, sin, the essence of sin is not about performance. Willful or not, it's not about external things. It's not about the fruit. Sin is about the root. When I treat God as if he doesn't matter or doesn't even exist, that's the essence of sin. That's what Adam and Eve did. God spoke to them. In the garden, you all know it. God spoke to them, told them what to think and what to do, and they got a better idea. And so they treated God as if his opinion didn't matter. It was a relational problem before it became an actual or a performance issue. It always precedes. The relationship precedes. The root precedes the fruit, good and bad. 
It's always about relationship. Who's Lord in my life? Jesus was dependent. He wouldn't. He, he, he says, I can do nothing on my own. He didn't mean I can't put this food in my mouth. What he meant was, and I could show you if I had time, what, what he meant was, I refuse to treat my father as if he's not with me. My father's always with me. And I don't run ahead. I'm not the leader. I'm the follower. I made that covenant. I'm the second person in Trinity, not the first. And I never run ahead of him. So I don't say anything. I don't do anything. I don't even come to any conclusions on my own, except what the Father has given me. I'm in that much relationship. The Father and I are one. Why? Because I won't give in to running ahead. I will always be a follower, never a leader. I'll be dependent, which takes us to the next thing. In the old life, I was the leader. What I signed up for when I entered the family of God, maybe it wasn't explained to you, but I signed up to be a follower. Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone would be my disciple, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. You realize that what it means to be a Christian is to be a disciple of Jesus. You do know that. We're going to have baptism in a while. Who are we to baptize? Well, go into all the world, make disciples, baptizing them. Who are we to baptize? Disciples. Baby brat disciples, to be sure. But they know that they're, they're signing away their life to no longer trust in themselves, but to put their faith in Jesus. That means watch him, hang out with him, listen to him, be his disciple, walk with him all day long. That's what it means. And it's possible for us to be these disciples because he comes to live in us, and that's better than being next to us. And we can actually, actually, actually be discipled by the Spirit of Christ all day long if we learn to slow down and walk by the Spirit instead of being led by the flesh. But that's hard, and I'm not anywhere close, and I didn't get a fix. I alluded to this a moment ago, but I didn't get a fix, and all of a sudden, I'm all set. No, I got a long ways to go, but God sees my heart. He always sees the heart. I am resolved. I have decided to follow. Jay. That's a good song. We should sing it. I have decided to what? That's new birth language. If anyone would come after me, if anyone be my disciple, let him say it. Deny himself, say no to myself, and take up his cross. It means die to the old way of life, the old way of thinking. And follow me. That's the hardest part, to quit leading and start following. But that's what it means to be a Christian. Now, your pastor will be back in a few days, and he'll probably need to straighten some of this out. <laughs> it's a big risk for him to let me loose. In the old life, hmm, someone just helped me. <laughs> Thank you, guys. I don't even know what's going on here. My screen is black. Help me, guys. What, what happened? Got sheep, bat. <laughs> well, they're, they we're getting started. They're, they're going to help us. I, we, we won't sing. We're going to hurry right on here. Okay. Let's just pick it there. This is not the black screen, but I can see it almost. Okay, sorry. I've got mature eyes. In the old life, I was Lord. The new life, Jesus is Lord. Just as you receive Christ, so walk in him. Just as you receive Christ, how do we receive him? Colossians 2.6. Just as you receive Christ as Lord, so walk in him. Who's God? Jesus. He's Lord. That's what I'm saying. And I quit relying on myself. I put my faith in him because he's God. That's who he is. And he comes in and he acts like he's God. He talks to me and he, we've already got an agreement. If he says it, I trust him. I'd, I'd like to spend a lot more time on that. In the old life, it was 
I think I want. In the new life, here's what happens. Try to hear this. This is a big, big part. This deserves a half hour. When you came to Jesus, probably you didn't know him very well. You probably heard enough about him that you were willing to say, I'll trust him. Maybe just a part of what he did on the cross. Who knows? But the longer you're with him, the more you'll get to know him. And the better you know him, you not only will be able to trust him, but you will love him like you never dreamed you could love. And you'd be willing to lay down your life for him. Christ died for all. That those who live are born again, have life, eternal life. That those who live will no longer live for themselves, but for him, for him, motive, for him. I love you, Jesus. You don't have to chase me down anymore. Oh, you probably will because I'm proud and independent. Don't realize it. But, but I'm going to chase you because I care about what you care about. I love you. Why? Because you first loved me and it's captured my heart. And it, for most people, it takes time. Some get it quicker than others, but it takes time of beholding him, fixing your eyes on Christ. And as you do that and get to know him, you can't help but love him when you see him. And so you'll be chasing him instead of him having to chase you. Make sense? In the old life, I speak and act. In the new life, now watch it. We speak and act because the two have become one. Not all the time, but a lot more than we used to be. And I think it, and I don't realize it's, it's Jesus' thought because we did a lot of work underground, a lot of work at the root, working on the relationship. And now I say things and I don't even think about They're his words. It's called the fruit of the Spirit. It's called the gifts of the Spirit. And now I really am the body of Christ. The head is not disconnected from the body. The head and the body are connecting and we all work in sync. And you can't tell the difference between Jesus and me. And I've experienced that among you tons of time. Well, what you did and what you said was the body of Christ. You, it was Jesus in you, Jesus through you. It's a big deal different between Jesus being in you and getting through you. But I've seen and experienced Jesus flowing through you. And I didn't know if it was Jesus or you. And that's exactly the way it's supposed to be because the two have become. When you're like this on the job and when you're like this, maybe with your family, they think it's you, but you know what you were like before Jesus. You know what you'd be like without Jesus, but you've done a lot of work. In the rootage areas, you've done a lot of <laughs> and and then without even hardly realizing it, you speak and act not just with Jesus but as Jesus. And the world gets to see Jesus. When the world sees Jesus, they'll come running to him because they really like what he they like fruit and gifts. They have no idea the work's gone on inside of you. But it's not about fruit and gifts, it's about relationship. Everybody clear? I got a ton of scripture to go through. It's really good stuff. It's really good stuff. Come back 10 years from now. We'll give you the second. Let, let me finish with this one. We all know this. Jesus said, I'm the vine. You're the branch. If you remain, if you stay, I'll be speaking. I'll be I'll be letting my life-giving sap go, but you got to open the door. So if, if you do that, if you remain to me, you'll bear much fruit. Somehow radiant, we, 
I consider myself a part of us. I've been here long enough. Oh, never mind. Okay. We have to make sure that we're helping each other do the underground work. We usually need more than the spirit and more than the word. We usually need the body, the enfleshed Jesus who's 10, 20, 30 years older than we are to help coach us, to keep us focused because we lose. We start walking by sight instead of by faith. We, we get self. We, we just need help. We need to talk about it. But if we do remain in him and he and us will bear much fruit. But then here comes the terrifying word and you all know it. Apart from me, apart from me, you can do nothing. Now remember, Jesus comes to live in us. We got married to Jesus. He got married to us. But just because he lives in us doesn't mean that the two are one. In fact, we're so different from Jesus. We don't have a clue. He's so gracious and kind. He, he just takes the easy, simple ones for the first 30 years. But he just keeps bringing us. He's faithful. But apart from him, he lives in us. But if we don't agree, and if we don't want the same things, the two are not one in that particular area. And the fruit will not be the fruit of the Spirit. It'll almost always be the fruit of the flesh because he won't push himself past us and through us very often. He can, sometimes does. But he doesn't dominate us. He loves us and he talks and invites. At least he's never dominated me that I know of. He probably didn't. I was just too dumb to realize it. Apart from me, we can do Jesus. We make a vow today. We don't want to be apart from you. You'll be faithful. You'll be here. That means on our side, we need to pay attention to the marriage. Amen. Let, let me talk to people of maybe who, maybe this didn't make any sense to you. Maybe it did. Let me talk to the people who might be visiting us online. Maybe you're still living the single life, but you've come enough to your senses that you realize, I'd rather have Jesus leading my life than me. In fact, I think I need help. I want to say to anyone like that here, he'll save your life. He will save your life. He'll save your marriage. He'll save your... He, he's a wonderful Savior, but he's Lord. First. And so... Could you, like Colossians 2, today decide on your side that you'll make a covenant with him to put your faith in him? It's a pretty tricky deal. It'll take some time to get it figured out, but it's a big deal that you're not going to rely on your understanding. You're going to trust him. And if, if you'll make that as a hard covenant, aren't you glad God sees the heart? He doesn't look at your performance. See, if you'll make that as a hard covenant, he knows it. Jesus I, I need you. I'm going to learn how to trust you. I commit to trusting you. I make a covenant to trust you. And he says, here I come. I'm in. I'm, I'm all in. He gives us all of himself in that stuff. We give him a tiny piece of ourselves. He gives him all of himself. Amazing. Would you, this morning, be interested in having Jesus save your life? He really wants to. And, and you'll need not just the Spirit, and the word, but you'll probably need a really good bride, a good body to help raise you up because you're brand new. If you, can, if you can make 
that response would like to today, that's why Jesus came to save you. And he'll do it if you abide, if you get better, if you grow up in the relationship. I hope this makes sense. He saved my life. He can save yours. Thank you, Lord, that you'll help every person here to wherever we are in this process to not even look at our performance, fruit, lack of fruit, flesh, spirit. Don't even look at that. Look at you. Help us, Yuki. Help us to keep our eyes fixed on you. That'll help us to believe you. That'll help us to love you. Help us to make a resolve this morning. We're going to fix our eyes on you as much as we possibly can. We'll learn how to do it better. Thank you, Lord. Amen? Amen. Pastor. Amen. If we could, let's just stand up on our feet all across the room. And the imagery is so powerful, I think, as Pastor House said this, is, it's like a marriage. We're coming in and we're making a covenant to begin a new relationship, two separate people becoming one in Christ. And I just want to encourage you, if you made that decision, you said, yes, I want to begin that process. I want to begin that relationship with Jesus. I want to encourage you, you just made the best decision you'll ever make in your life. The greatest miracle we'll ever get to experience is salvation this side of heaven. It's, it's such an incredible miracle and I just wanna celebrate you. You've made the best decision you've ever made. So if that's you, if you're joining us online, you're in the room, if you could, if you made that decision today, if you could, I'd love just to honor you. Could you just put your hand in the air just right where you're at? Amen. Amen, amen. Let's do this. Let's put our hands together. Let's celebrate every single person who's made that decision today, amen. Amen. Hal said it so well, but we want to walk with you. We don't want you to do life on your own. We want to come alongside you and be a part of this journey with you. Um, and if you could, fill out that connection card. It'll help us resource you. We've got Bibles down front. Our prayer team would love to pray for you at the end of service. We would just be honored to do that. And as our ushers get ready to go ahead and come on down front, ushers, um, we just before we take over our offering, I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for your incredible generosity. All summer long, we've had incredible opportunities to make a difference, whether it was Bold Conference or Serve Day or Camp Radiant that's wrapping up for your children even right now. Um, there's big moments, but then there's also been hundreds of little moments single moms who need some resources, um, different people around our city or food pantries, these different opportunities that could fly under the radar and go unnoticed. And I just wanna say thank you. We couldn't do that without you. We couldn't do that without your faithful giving. And I just wanna, bottom of my heart, thank you so much for making a difference. As you know, we're in the middle of this, the Future is Radiant initiative. We're looking and believing God for a permanent home for Radiant Church. And this is all because of your generosity. We are committed to moving at the pace of your, of your giving. We're not gonna outpace you guys. We're not gonna pressure you. We're just thankful for what you're doing and your obedience to the Lord and your giving. So thank you so much. Let's pray over our offering and then we'll worship and we'll give. Jesus, we love you. We're so grateful, God. We know that every good and perfect gift comes from you. So Jesus, as we return our tithes, as we give our offerings, as we give generously, God, we say it's all because of you and it's all through you. So God, we pray that you would take what we give, that you would bless it, that you would multiply it to make a difference in our city. It would make a difference in Nepal and Haiti and all around the world. Jesus, we pray that you would bless the givers. God, you said that you love a cheerful giver. So God, today we give to you cheerfully gladly. God, we pray that you will bless it and multiply it and use it to make a difference. In Jesus' name. And all of Radiant Church, amen.